Welcome to the StoryCraft Cafe. Come in, grab a cup of your favorite beverage, and get ready to join the storytelling conversation. StoryCraft Cafe is brought to you by Dabble, the ultimate cloud-based fiction writing software. Here we're going to bring together storytellers from all walks to encourage and empower you to craft your best story. Welcome into the StoryCraft Cafe podcast. Thanks for joining us again this week. I hope your NaNoWriMo has been going amazingly. If you're listening to this episode when it first drops, we're a little over halfway through NaNoWriMo. So I uh, hope that that's going uh amazingly well for you and uh and if you've been following along over at storycraft.cafe there's been lots of writing sprints and uh you know people that you can connect with to help you stay motivated stay on track and you know maybe pick up a few tips along the way we got a very special series of podcasts that I'm going to be bringing you over the next few weeks. Uh, we published a book uh, here at Dabble. It was called Let's Write a Book, and it is uh, eight chapters with a conclusion and a introduction chapter. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to release this audio book uh, chapter by chapter. Today, we're going to have the introduction and chapter one. And I think you're really going to enjoy this. This will step you through the process of going from nothing to writing a book. And I, I hope you'll enjoy it. Chapter three, plot foundations. Okay, practitioners of the literary arts, it's time to get started on your book. Together, we've laid the foundation for being a writer in the first two chapters but now it's time to really get down to business. Cue, let's get down to business for Mulan. In this chapter, we're going to cover the exciting, or dreaded, tasks of plotting and planning. My hope is that by the time you've read this chapter, you have a half-decent understanding of your book and its plot. First things first, though, we need to figure out what kind of writer you are. A plotter, a pantser, or somewhere in between. This information will help guide you through the rest of this book because not all writers are built the same. Plotters versus Pantsers versus Plantsers So as I just mentioned, there are two polar opposites when it comes to writers. Plotters and Pantsers. Understand that there is no right or wrong role to adopt. As you're about to find out, being more of a plotter has its pros and cons, as does being more of a pantser. And, like most things in life, plotters and pantsers can learn from one another. So who are plotters and pantsers? And what does having one of those titles mean for your writing? Let's find out. Plotters Does the idea of crafting a perfect outline excite you? Do you create a lot of to-do lists and maybe even color code them? Do you have nightmares about writing your first draft without knowing what every single scene is going to be, then you might be a plotter. Plotters are the type of writers who will spend hours outlining and making notes about their story before they even write the first sentence of their book. These writers love adding meticulous details to their character sheets and the history of the world they've built. 
Being a plotter often means that you're closing plot holes before they get a chance to show up in your story. It means that you spend a lot of time in the pre-writing stages, but are able to quickly write your first draft, often with fewer revisions needed than your pantser counterparts. On the flip side, plotters often obsess about their outlines and planning documents to the point that they never start writing. If the outline isn't perfect, how can the book be? That's what some hardcore, albeit anxious, plotters think. Plotters often use this as an excuse for procrastination. Pantsers On the other end of the writing spectrum are pantsers, so named because they tend to write by the seat of their pants. Pantsers follow their impulses while writing, often coming up with subplots that work well without even thinking about them beforehand. It doesn't matter if what you're writing is a novel or a short story because pantsers treat both with the same level of planning. Minimal. Just like plotting, there are some pros and cons of living this rebel lifestyle. Pantsers get their first draft done a lot faster than plotters. They are not restricted by a perfect outline before they write. They just write. This is an excellent way to meet writer's block head-on, and we'll cover that dreaded enemy later in the book. Pantsers are also, with practice, more adept at identifying plot holes and errors along the way. They are more willing to change what they've written than plotters who are working from the in-depth notes they've created. All that being said, being a pantser has its drawbacks. If you can't just brute force your way through writer's block or an obstacle in your story, you don't really have notes to turn to. While experienced pantsers are able to identify most plot holes on the fly, newer pantsers are not and can end up with a story riddled with potential problems. It's also difficult for a lot of pantsers to properly arrive at the end of their story. Sure, you know what you want the end of your book to be, but actually getting there can be difficult for pantsers. Finally, pantsers will likely do a lot more revising to their first draft than plotters. The first draft itself is more like an outline, something that you write and then revise until it's perfect. Plantsers, the gray area. You would be hard-pressed to find writers who are plotting or pantsing purists. Both are such extremes that they become rigid and unadaptable to most writing. That's why these styles are more like two separate ends of a writing spectrum with plantsers, a mix of plotters and pantsers falling in between them. Almost all writers fall somewhere in the plantser gray area, even if they lean more heavily towards one end of the spectrum or the other. This allows a good amount of flexibility when approaching your writing. Perhaps you create a decent outline, but leave room for new ideas as you go. Maybe you do a very basic outline, just start and end, but make up the rest as you write. Other writers might spend a lot of time creating their characters, but let their world build itself or vice versa. Some authors create a detailed outline, but change that outline as characters evolve, new scenes emerge, or if something isn't quite working. There are even some writers who will completely scrap their outline if they need to change something big. There are so many different ways to write within the plotter pantser spectrum. If this is your first or second or third time writing a book, odds are you haven't even found the perfect method that works for you. 
The only way you can find it is by trying out all the different options available to you. I kept that in mind while writing this book. While some of the tips and exercises are a little skewed towards planning, which I think is beneficial for newer writers, I provided alternatives for those who are more pantser inclined. My goal is to help you find the writing style that works best for you so you can crush that first draft. So assuming you really want to be the best writer you can be, keep an open mind and approach the rest of the book as a journey of discovery to find out what your best writing style is. With that, let's start your book. What's the big idea? I know your story is buzzing around in your head, so it's time to get it on paper. Whether digital or physical paper is up to you. We're going to take a mental vacuum and suck that idea right out of your brain. Sounds so pleasant. So what is the story that you want to tell? A pretty straightforward question. It's probably one you've thought about multiple times, but now you're going to bring it to life. This is a very simple yet powerful exercise for both pantsers and plotters. Take the story note and dabble, that piece of paper or blank document, and write down one or two sentences that describe your book. Don't worry about spoilers or fine details. Those can come later. We just want a basic summary of the story you want to tell. All right, now you're going to take those one or two sentences and expand them into one or two paragraphs. Again, we're not looking for explicit detail or even character names if you don't have them yet. Just elaborate more on what's happening throughout your story. And that's it. Step one in writing your book is done. That wasn't so painful, was it? This is the little seed from which the rest of your story will grow. But we're not done with it yet. Next, you're going to take that summary and share it with people, specifically people who read your genre. These folks can be friends, family, or a group you're part of on social media. Regardless of who they are, though again, they should be readers of the genre you want to write in, ask them what they think of the book idea. By sharing your book summary in text form, you're accomplishing a couple things. First, you don't need to be as anxious about sharing your idea, though I know it can be scary sharing it, and that anxiety won't get in the way of you articulating your summary. Second, you're meeting readers where they're at. Rather than forcing them to interpret your ideas through their ears, they're able to read, reread, and analyze what you have. Remind them that you aren't looking for Sherlock Holmes-level criticism or suggestions. You just want to know if it sounds like it could make a good story. Make note of what they say and keep some of those suggestions in mind as you go forward. You might even revisit your summary to change it a little, but try not to take any negative or constructive criticism to heart. I'm being this cruel and forcing you to share this summary for two reasons. It not only lets you get feedback, but can also weed out early ideas that might lead to bad stories. Remember when I made you come up with why you write? If you're writing for commercial reasons, to be a published author or to make supplemental or full-time income from your writing, then you need to write books that people are interested in. 
If your initial summary doesn't spark that interest or just seems like a dozen other books they've already read, then it's best to make changes early on before you've written 60,000 plus words. If you're writing for other reasons, as a hobby, to get your feet wet, to help with your mental health, etc., then you don't necessarily need to worry about the marketability of your idea. Still, a little bit of early feedback will never hurt in the long run. Once you've received some feedback on your big idea, it's time to figure out how you can turn it into a full-fledged story. Storytelling Basics The Three-Act Structure One of the fundamental pieces of storytelling, whether it be in books, theater, video games, songwriting, or any other medium where a tale can be told, is the three-act structure. Now, before all you creatives go running off at the word structure, let me explain what this important idea is and why it's critical to modern storytelling. As the name suggests, the three-act structure breaks a story up into three pieces, the beginning, middle, and end. There's stuff going on in those three acts, but that's the bare-bones summary of the structure. You start somewhere, you move away from that starting point, you end up somewhere. This structure is centuries old, but has withstood the test of time because it's based on the most important part of storytelling. Every story is about a journey. This can be an external journey, like an explorer finding a lost island and the secrets that it holds, or an internal journey, like a family navigating the grief of losing a parent or child. No matter what your story is, it's a journey. The three-act structure shows this in such a way you would struggle to find a good story you can't apply it to in some way, whether the author intended to or not. Within each act are three plot points or beats that help move the story along. This is a total of nine beats throughout the story, each of which represents a major incident or event. Because the three-act structure is the basis for almost all storytelling, I'm going to go over the three acts and the beats within them to finish up this chapter, making sure you have a thorough understanding of what your story will likely contain. Pantsers. Even if you've already decided you're a hardcore pantser, read this section to better understand how your story is going to unfold. What you ultimately do with the tools I give you in this book is up to you, but I encourage you to at least understand what's available to you. Act 1. The Beginning Shockingly, this is where your book starts. Also known as the setup, Act 1 will take up somewhere around one quarter of your book and includes the exposition, the inciting incident, and the first plot point of your story. This act lays the groundwork for the rest of the story that follows. So let's look at these three story beats. The exposition is the introduction to the normal world that your character lives in. This might be an everyday setting like the one you experience in your own life. Oppositely, the protagonist, normal, can be scavenging for food in a post-apocalyptic world where avoiding evil drones flying overhead. Normal is subjective, but the exposition helps us understand who the protagonist is, what they do, what values they hold, what challenges they face every day, and what they really want. 
The inciting incident then comes along and shatters that normal. It initiates the journey that the characters of your story will go on throughout the book, because no one wants to read a book that is just a normal day, every day, until you say, the end. The inciting incident helps prompt your main character or characters into action, even if they resist that prompt initially. The first plot point is the protagonist's initial steps into their new world away from the normal they are used to. It can come immediately after the inciting incident or after some deliberation, but it is a clear indicator that the protagonist is in new uncharted territory. Once you have finished with Act 1, your protagonist has already started their journey. They have been moved, either willingly or unwillingly, to somewhere that is unfamiliar and that now starts to push the story forward into the strange territory of Act 2. Act 2. The Middle Also known as the Confrontation, Act 2 raises the stakes for the protagonist. The largest of all the acts, usually around half the entire book, Act 2 is where all the exciting build-up happens. Within the second act, we have another three beats, rising action, the midpoint, and the second plot point. Rising action is more of an umbrella term for events and crises the main characters face. During the rising action, the protagonist is mostly reactionary, meaning they are just trying to cope with what's happening. As they learn more about their new world, make friends, are introduced to the antagonist, and face obstacles. This beat is all about facing new things and absorbing new information. The midpoint then comes along and makes everything bad again. Somewhere near the middle of your book, which can't be shocking considering its name, the midpoint represents a huge setback for your character and forces them to go in a new direction to solve the problem. The second plot point prepares the protagonist for the third and final act. This often makes the protagonist go through a mindset shift from reactionary to proactive. They have reflected, trained, had an epiphany, or just experienced a great pep talk that prepared them to go forward and face their challenges. The second act shoves your main character into obstacles they are forced to overcome so they can grow. This shouldn't be smooth sailing. Orcs, high school bullies, and grief are all vastly different but they are all very difficult to overcome. Things will go your protagonist's way, and they won't. That's what makes a compelling story. The changes in your main character prepare them for the next act. Act 3. The End Making up another 25% of your story is Act 3, also known as The Resolution. Everything has been leading up to this, the big payoff. Within this act, we have the pre-climax, the Climax, and the Denouement. The Pre-Climax is a very low point for your protagonist, also known as the Dark Knight of the Soul, which is almost as edgy as when I was in high school. This is where your protagonist seems to be losing, despite the changes they've gone through. We see the full might of the antagonist, physically, mentally, or emotionally, and struggle to see how the main characters will prevail. The climax comes next, usually as a single scene. In the climax, our hero prevails by using everything they've learned up until now. Alternatively, you could pull an Infinity War and make the heroes lose 
but that takes some more delicate navigating. The denouement or falling action comes after the climax. This is where things relax a little and you can tie up any loose ends that remain. You can show bits of what the new normal looks like, how your characters have adapted to it, and put a bow on your subplots. But wait, there can be more! I didn't want to bog you down with an extreme number of details about the three-act structure since we're going to dive deeper into plot later in this book. For now, I hope this served as a great introduction. If you want to learn more about this plot structure, you can check out a blog by one of our awesome dabblers, Abby, including some examples of the different beats over at dabblewriter.com 3-act-structure-examples-dabble. There are other structures out there too. The three-act structure, as I mentioned, is the foundation of storytelling, but there are countless ways that authors have expanded on this classic and you might find some of them more relatable than others. If you want to know more, go ahead and check out some of the most popular ones at dabblewriter.com story-structures-fundamentals. Not homework. Outline your story with the three-act structure. No matter where you stand on the plotter pants or spectrum, this is a worthwhile exercise that can give you a very thorough understanding of your story. You can also customize it however you'd like. All I'm asking you to do is outline the nine story beats of your book using what you just learned about the three-act structure. So using whatever you've been using to take notes and do these exercises, jot down the following beats, leaving some space in between. The exposition, the inciting incident, the first plot point, the rising action, the midpoint, the second plot point, the pre-climax, the climax, and the denouement. If you're using Dabble, you can jot these down in one of your notes so it's only a click away while you're writing your book. With one of our latest features, you can even add ribbons onto your plot points to keep track of which scenes belong to which beat. Honestly, color coding rocks. Like I said, you can customize this as much as you want. Even if you're a pantser or a pantser-leaning planter, I want everyone reading this to jot down at least a sentence describing each story beat. This will help you create a high-level outline before moving on, and we're going to use this outline later in the book. As I promise, I won't tell your pantser friends. If you read more about other structures and found one you liked better, then use that one instead. Whatever it is you choose to do, just don't leave this chapter without having some sort of high-level outline done. That's our episode for today. There's so much more to come as we talk with authors about the craft of writing, but also the business of publishing. Be sure to subscribe to the StoryCraft Cafe podcast in your favorite podcast app to never miss an episode. The StoryCraft Cafe is made possible by Dabble. Writing a book is challenging. Your writing tool shouldn't be. Dabble is an easy-to-use online writing tool packed with helpful features that allow beginning novelists and published authors to create amazing stories. Visit us at DabbleWriter.com and start your free trial. Thanks for listening.